Hello and welcome to you all. It is another Friday, which means it's time to swim through the swirling whirlpool of lies and misinformation and media untruths and bias and uh, surrendered objectivity, all of these things, and uh, curated in a neat little fun package for you. I think it's fun anyway, that we call Fake News Friday. I am Andrew Lawton, joined as always by Harrison Faulkner, host of the fantastic show Ratioed on True North. North. Uh, Harrison, big week. Obviously, we had uh, some changes in UK politics. We had the Public Order Emergency Commission in Canada. But uh, even so, we can always rely on the constant of Canadian mainstream media freakouts. Well, exactly. We've, we've always got that going. Of course, we've got the amazing testimony we're hearing now from the Emergencies Act Commission. It's only been week one, Andrew. We haven't even gotten to the good part yet. But it seems as though it's really it's really starting to heat up. And, and of course, we're going to leave it this story. But it's, it's the fact checkers, the mainstream media fact checkers have swooped in to try and clean up their narrative. And somehow, somewhere along in this whole process, True North gets sort of lumped into this fact check. So we're going to get into that. It's, it's a pretty interesting story, but I think it speaks to just this, 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 this insistence from legacy media, from mainstream, mainstream media to fact check things that, to, to use a fact check to really just push their narrative, push their opinion. So it's an interesting story, and I'm looking forward to kind of dissecting it a little bit. Yeah, let's jump right into that now. So last week, True North shared this exchange from the European Parliament between Dutch MEP Robert Roos and Janine Small of Pfizer. So a question then for you, Ms. Small, where I would like a clear answer, please. So there are no misunderstandings. Was... The Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market. If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it's entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. And from that point of view, we had to do everything at risk. I think our Dr. Boudlar, even though he's not here, would turn around and say to you himself, uh, if not us, then who? Um, Dr. Boudlar actually felt the importance of what was going on in the world. And therefore, as a result of that, we actually um, spent $2 billion at risk uh, of self-funded money from Pfizer to be able to manufacture, as it, well, first of all, research, develop and manufacture at risk to be able to make sure that we were in a position to be able to help um, with the pandemic. And, uh, and I think that's why I feel very good when a recent paper um, from the Imperial College stated that in the first year of the rollout of, of vaccines, um, we saved uh, four million people. So from that point of view, I feel that uh, actually we were there when the world needed us to be able to make sure that we were able to help people around the world with um, with vaccination as well as now oral oral treatment. I would hate to imagine 
what situation we would be in in the world right now if companies like us did not take those risks, did not um, do clinical research and developments at scale uh, in order to make sure that we could have a vaccine that we could roll out um, to the world. So I really I understand your frustrations. I really do. But I also hope at some point somewhere you also do appreciate what um, pharmaceutical companies have done in order to be able to roll out and deliver vaccines at such speed and scale. That was a pretty explosive clip. It was Janine Small talking about how Pfizer moved at the speed of science, which I believe is faster than the speed of sound, not quite as fast uh, as the speed of light, a little bit slower than Superman when he's had a uh, heavy meal even. But uh, the executive was saying that Pfizer did not test against transmission. So there was no scientific basis for the idea that uh, the vaccine that Pfizer was putting out for COVID would protect you against transmission, which means that the basis for vaccine passports, which was that we need to make spaces more safe because we need to only ensure that the vaccinated are able to access them, it meant that that was a big, huge lie from politicians. So we share this clip. Now, this is about as official as it gets. This is a an elected official interviewing in an official capacity an official from a company that has done billions of dollars worth of work on the vaccine file around the world. All of this is to say there is very little about this that is misinformation because we're sharing someone's own words. But that didn't stop Reuters from pouncing by putting a fact check here. And not just that, but saying that True North specifically sharing this clip, we weren't the only outlet that did, was a bit misinformed perhaps. And, and so, Andrew, it's important to just kind of go through this process. First off, True North often will not share uh, content, videos that are not specifically Canadian news related. But when this video did come up originally, it was first posted by Rob Roos, that MEP, as you said. And that video has over 13 million views on Twitter. And immediately we realized that this kind of blows the lid off of the justification for the mandates placed on Canadians. The idea that the vaccine would stop transmission, that idea that we are told constantly this is to stop the spread of the virus. Well, this testimony from the Pfizer executive in Europe kind of makes, makes the case as though I actually... No one really knew that to be the case. Politicians didn't know that. So we posted it and I even went through, I, I posted it myself and, and I went to great lengths to make sure that I wasn't just copying Rob Roos's video. We went to the original source, the European Parliament sort of media center to get this clip, making sure that what we were getting was 100% accurate. And we don't just throw things up on social media. We do, we do make sure this, this is accurate stuff. And of course, along comes Reuters. And the Reuters fact check is important to go through. You would think that a, a, a company like Reuters with, with a fact check team like they have, they would put together a, a you know, if they were going to attack this video, they would try and show the, the biggest video, the biggest tweets of the video, the tweets that got the most traction. But it was strange, Andrew. They didn't do that. They shared the original Rob Roos video. Then they shared our video from True North. They, they embedded the video in the article. And then they shared a tweet from someone with 18 likes copying our video, which I just, I just thought to be was very, 
to me was very strange. Like they're trying to make the case as though True North was somehow involved in this. We we basically did our own fact check of the fact checkers, which I think is quite required these days, especially what we're getting from Reuters. We did this and we- hey, Hang on, I've got to call out your misinformation there, Harrison. It's important to deal with this in real time. He has 21 likes on that tweet. 21 as of likes. the time we're recording <laughs> this. Exactly. So right. you're Reuters, I'm, I'm sending Reuters to your front door uh, for that. You were three likes off. Who knows what else you're getting wrong? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Now we have to go through everything else. But the, the so in our, in our fact check of the Reuters fact check, what we found was that actually immediately upon Reuters trying to basically label True North's video as misleading, Andrew, Twitter users from all across the world descended on that Reuters tweet and basically started sharing videos of Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer, saying exactly that, saying that this was going to stop the transmission of the virus. This was going to stop the spread of the virus. And in one tweet, he said the the, the booster vaccine had a 100% effectiveness in South Africa at stopping the spread. And then, of course, Pfizer themselves in their official Twitter account, they also were telling people that the, the, the virus was stopping transmission of the virus. The vaccine was stopping transmission of the virus. Contradictory to what the Pfizer executive said uh, in European Parliament. So this all just, I think, goes to show you that for so long, for the past two, three years, Andrew, we've been getting fact checks from Reuters, from AP. They also got in on this. We've been getting fact checks from them, which only really uphold a narrative. They don't actually tell us or tell 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 people what was what what is wrong about a video. Nowhere do they say True North was wrong. All they do is say this is misleading. So to me, it's actually very sinister that we have fact checkers coming in that are pushing a narrative and aren't actually just telling us what's true and what's false. I don't want to hear narratives. I want to hear the facts from a fact checker. Turns out maybe maybe Andrew, we should start doing our own fact check. I, I brought this up. Maybe we should hire our own fact checker at True North to do exactly this. Yeah, but then you end up in like an endless cycle of fact-checking. I, I want to show a, a, a tweet here. Alexandra Marshall, who's a, a great writer with The Spectator in Australia, she wrote a column in which she took aim at fact-checking. And she said, are fact-checkers liars? And it was an opinion piece in which she talked about the uh, errors and misinformation that we see in the fact-checking process. And just like clockwork on Facebook, she gets the fact-checking sticker on there, missing context independent fact checkers say this information could mislead people right above the headline of the article which is our fact checkers liars so you can't fact check the fact checkers because then they fact check your fact check of the fact checking and eventually we're just all fact checked uh, endlessly until we die it's like the police in canada doing the daily background check of gun owners now we're just going to get like the daily fact check and uh people on the right are going to be accused of misinformation people on the left are going to get a pass but it's been particularly insidious on the COVID file because as we've seen, and I've, I've joked about this in, in some ways, yesterday's misinformation is today's government press release. So the thing that's misinformation now, we're kind of flipping it a bit because now they're saying, no, 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 no one ever claimed it prevented transmission. It's like this big, huge gaslighting of the population here when that was the entire basis of the government's mandates of vaccines. Exactly. I mean, we, how many times Andrew, did we hear Justin Trudeau during the federal campaign, for example, using this issue to wedge Canadians to divide the unvaccinated and to specifically say multiple times, for example, when he famously said, if you don't want to get vaccinated, that's your choice, but don't think you can get on a plane or a train beside vaccinated people and put them at risk. Now, 
You would assume that because of that, that would mean that the, the, the vaccine stops the spread of the virus. If you're vaccinated, you won't put others at risk because you're, not, you're gonna stop the spread of the virus. That's just, that, that just exactly points to this idea that, you know, we can, we can be led a narrative, Andrew, for a whole year, and then immediately when it starts to crumble, fact checkers can come in and, and totally shift the window and basically say, no, no, it was actually never required. The, the manufacturers were never required to test the vaccine for stopping transmission before politicians told us it would and before politicians enacted these horribly div divisive policies. And we write in the fact checkers, it's important to just make it clear that I think, of course, without being, of course, we are biased ourselves to our own, to our own, uh, to our own company. But our fact check kind of labels it clearly what's what's been going on here. So we write this: Reuters' assertion that Pfizer never claimed that their original submissions to regulators included tests for transmission appears to be accurate. But their own fact check is misleading because it entirely ignores the fact that political and public discussions about the vaccines were often driven by the incorrect assumption that the vaccines would halt transmission. Exact, that's exactly what we're talking about here. That's really where the fact checkers should be coming in on this. But it seems as though there's some sort of there's some sort of collected interest. They want to try and defend the manufacturers against what is what is explosive testimony. To use that word again, this was this this took the internet by storm because people were rightly upset. And I think you know it it, it ends up falling on True North. It ends up falling on other media companies, Andrew, to try and get these videos out there because it appears as though Reuters. They're supposed to be wire service. They're not gonna. They're not gonna write news about this. Yeah, and that's why we share the raw footage as often because I want. I mean, for my own benefit, but also for everyone else to see the source of it, to see where we're getting the information. So you don't need to filter your version of reality through through someone else's filter. So in any case, I, I gotta really segue naturally into uh, speaking of filters the public order emergency commission now you've been covering this on ratioed i've been covering it on the andrew lawton show rupa subramania has been covering it on her show our news coverage so for the next six weeks now there's going to be a lot of public order emergency uh, commission content but i i think there's a particular level of interest that i have about the way the media is approaching this and sometimes two people can look at the same story and come up with wildly different conclusions and, and I'll give you one example here before we get into it CBC has a headline OPP intelligence warned of potential Ottawa mass protests two weeks before convoy so what they're saying is that the intelligence bureau flagged a mass anti-government protest so that was Fair enough. We know there was a protest. I don't know if it was accurate to call it anti-government. I think it was anti-the liberal government. But then you look further and the story that they've buried in there is that OPP intelligence found for the entirety of the convoy no evidence of violence, no evidence of extremism, no evidence of insurrection, no evidence of any of these things. Shouldn't that be the story rather than the OPP learned about the protest two weeks before it happened? I guess not. No, Andrew, and we've seen this. We've seen this so often, and again, this this speaks exactly to why I think True North and other media outlets who are covering this, wh why people go to our coverage because they know exactly what they're going to get from the CBC, from the Toronto Star. You you took that headline from the CBC regarding the OPP intelligence officer's testimony. Well, just take a look at this. This is the this is the way that the Toronto Star wrote about revelations that CSIS told the government from the very beginning there was no intelligence that the the convoy was being foreign funded right there was no there was no idea that there was no intelligence that said there, there there's foreign interference in the in the donations of the convoy the toronto star took that information and of course in their usual way they sculpted and architected this 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 
this ridiculous headline that basically goes on to just state that it doesn't matter. These these guys were horrible already. It doesn't matter. There's no there's no information that can convince us otherwise. The Toronto Star headline was this: Freedom Convoy didn't need help from foreigners to overwhelm Ottawa police. Inquiry told October 18th. <laughs> Andrew, it's it, it's actually a skill. I have to take my hat off to some of these legacy media reporters for finding you know for seeing information that is so damaging to their narrative. So, so, it's so destructive to this narrative they've tried to craft for the whole year and then find a way to still spin it to make themselves, you know, put themselves in the right position, to find a way to still spin it to make these truckers, these protesters who now we know had no, there was no intelligence of violence from the very beginning. So these, these peaceful Canadian truckers, the media are so skilled at finding ways to to, to maintain that narrative, that they'll never give it up, Andrew. There's no, I don't think there's really any piece of evidence that will come out from these commission hearings where we'll get, we'll get Global News, we'll get Global Mail or the Toronto Star to write, that, to write, this, to write this basically accurately. They're always going to stick to their narrative. Um, you know, and, and Globe, the Globe and Mail, to their credit, they just took, they just took that information and wrote the headline, I, I think, Accurately, CSIS found no foreign actors funding the convoy protest, according to inquiry evidence. Right, that's how you should write the story. But of course, the Toronto Star, we know what we're going to get from them. They're going to spin it religiously. They are, they are absolutely stuck to this narrative, no matter what comes from the commission hearings. I, I should say, like, there's nothing inaccurate about what the Toronto Star wrote in its headline. Freedom Convoy didn't need help from foreigners to overwhelm Ottawa police. Well, no, that's technically true. I mean, the headline could also be, you know, Freedom Convoy didn't murder 17 people in the street. Uh, like, so it's the place it's coming from that I find is noteworthy because they're the ones that implied there was foreign influence. They're the ones that implied there was foreign funding. So when they're saying they didn't need the help, it's like there were a bunch of Russians on Sussex Street that were like offering their assistance. And then the Freedom Convoy said, yeah, we're all good. But but no, it's like it just didn't exist and it just wasn't there. So it is fascinating. And, and it's becoming a bit of a Rorschach exercise where everyone's looking at these commissions and somehow just drawing their own sort of narrative affirming uh, conclusions from it and the Toronto Star is is one example here and I, I think just interestingly enough when, when Jim Watson talks about this everything he says is just bordering on on unhinged if not going straight beyond into that and one particular one here he talks about losing control he talks about uh, similar to Zexy Lee from last week the purge like mentality he talks about just how dire things were and so you recall you had a discussion with the Prime Minister on this day? Yeah, I'm just looking for my notes. It's yeah. February 8th. You can 8th. zoom into that. Yeah, February 8th. Yeah, thank you. Just trying and uh, we'll go down to the, to the kind of the meat of it. Yes, a little bit down more. There we go. Sorry, I'm not seeing it on the 8th on my chronology. But if you have it, I'll believe you. Uh, yes, it should be on the screen there. February 8th. Uh, yeah a call, read out of the call with the Prime Minister. And if we go to the second page, yeah, you say, uh, well, the Prime Minister asks how you're doing. You say a challenge for anyone, everyone, still a pretty unstable situation, nasty people out there that just don't represent Canada. Reminds me of the Republican Party down south, can't reason with them, so vulgar and hateful, attacking people, ripping masks off, honking their horns. It's not over yet, and you, I appreciate... Just, you might slow down a bit for the interpreters. I'm just uh, worried. Oh, okay, that... sorry. I'm, I'm just aware of the time, but yes, you're right. Let's sl slow down for the interpreters. Um, 
It's not over yet, and I appreciate that I had a really good conversation with Marco and Bill. We have a table with the PT this afternoon at 4.30. Lawlessness. Well, that's terrible. How does he define lawlessness? As you just heard, people were having parties. Yeah, Andrew, like like the dance parties. I think at, at some point also he said the dance parties and raves stole the neighborhoods away from Ottawa residents. Now, again, I, I, I was on the ground there. You were too. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I only think that there were dance parties and raves, so-called dance parties and raves, uh, on Wellington Street. And from what I know of Ottawa, I don't live in Ottawa, but from what I no, know... No, don't, don't so-called it. There were dan there was dancing morning they, tonight. There, the there dancing were, was and a I key was, part I was of this. In, I was inside some of those. You're there doing the mainstream a, media thing, so-called. The so-called freedom combo. I'm the only, so-called dance party. No, by God, by gosh, it was a real dance party. It, it, you're, you're exactly right. It was a real dance party. I'm only trying to return the favor on the media. They, As you said, they always use the word so-called freedom convoy. Well, we'll just, we'll just return that right back. But of course, they were only on Wellington Street, I'm pretty sure, Andrew. And last I checked, again, I'm not from Ottawa, but last I checked, there are no residents who live on Wellington. It's a non-residential street. That's beside the point. But I want to just kind of go back to this CBC article uh, that was published on Thursday, talking about the OPP intelligence warning of potential Ottawa mass protests two weeks before convoy. That's what they wrote. And True North's article on this said OPP officer says no intel of convoy violence. And, and I think if you were watching this, anyone would really realize that the OPP intelligence officer, Pat Morris, his testimony was the news of the day. That was for sure what overshadowed the previous uh, city councilor's testimony. It's just, it, it, it is alarming to me, Andrew, that the legacy media, like I said before, they are committed to one side of this. And maybe, we, maybe you could say that we're committed to the other side of it, but in my opinion, we, we're, we're filling a very important need here. Because uh, like you said, you, you have two outlets looking at the same story, hearing the same testimony, and coming to vastly different conclusions. Vastly different conclusions. I think at the end of the day, it's good for, it's good for the Canadian media landscape that we do have alternative points of view on this, but it, it, it does, does speak to me that I don't think we're going to see, in my opinion, fair, impartial, balanced coverage from the legacy media Throughout this, throughout this hearing. We have five more weeks of this, Andrew. We've got a long way to go. Justin Trudeau still to testify, the senior members of the cabinet still to testify, and, con and convoy leadership as well. So it's going to be more important as we go further in this process. And I'm just hoping that we're, we're going we're gonna to try and get some better coverage here from the legacy media because right now it's been, it's been horrendous. <laughs> no checks on some of these outlandish statements. No real coverage on the fact that the, the city councillors were calling trucks weapons and that the mayor viewed the truckers before they even right when they first arrived in Ottawa as un-Canadian and as like Republicans from down south. I mean, this guy had it out for the truckers from the very start, clearly. And I think that that is worth coverage, but we're not going to get it. No, I don't think so. But any coverage we do get, we'll have to wait until next weekend because the members of the Parliamentary Press Gallery have a bit of a party coming up on Saturday. They're doing the annual Parliamentary Press Gallery dinner, which is basically Canada's imitation of the Gridiron Club thing, where you have journalists and politicians that are supposed to kick back and relax and have fun and make fun of each other or themselves. This was where uh, that great photo of Andrew Shear chugging a one-liter carton of milk came from, making fun of his relentless support for supply management. So it's a decent enough event, but at a certain point, you have to decide if you want to just rub shoulders with the people that despise you. And Pierre Polyev, for whatever reason, decided he would break with tradition and not attend the parliamentary press gallery dinner this weekend.
So what's happening here is that there's no reason provided. Uh, Polyev's office just said, I'm not going to go to, or he's not going to go to it. Uh, Stephen Harper went when he was an opposition leader, but didn't go when he was prime minister. So that was a pretty much a 10-year period. Uh, Pierre Polyev has had one media availability since he became the conservative leader. And that was when David Aiken just started like verbally pummeling him for reasons that I, I can't even remember. He's not done, to my knowledge, any sit-down interviews. He didn't do a lot of legacy media interviews during the leadership race. So he, he's kind of of just sticking to what's been working for him. And we can all sort of raise questions about whether that is the right course of action or the wrong course of action. But I'll say that it's his choice to make. And I, I don't get this mainstream media freak out about it just because he's not going to play in their sandbox with them. Well, Andrew, I kind of get the mainstream media freak out because they're looking for anything they can get on Pierre Paulia, right? We know exactly that anything that comes, anything that could be even, even, the, the, the idea that a headline can be made about it, that a negative headline can be made about it, well, they're going to write it, right? Any, any opportunity they get to try and slander Pierre Polyev, to try and paint the conservative leader as, uh, as a negative populist far-right figure, they're going to do it. And remember, at these pro parliamentary press gallery dinners, that was also where Justin Trudeau made the joke about how he gets such favorable headlines from the media, how he gets, how because he pays them, what, over $600 million, that number has gone up by now, I'm pretty sure, because he pays them that much money, of course he gets favorable media coverage. No wonder it's turned out so favorable for Justin Trudeau. No wonder we're seeing the coverage we're getting from the commission hearings after Justin Trudeau basically paid the media off to, to write favorable headlines for him. That's what he said at, that, at, at this dinner a few years back. And again, I don't blame Pierre Polyev for not attending this dinner. I think actually, you know, shaking things up with, me, with the media in Ottawa is a good thing. They need to kind of realize that conservatives are not just going to pick up the baton and continue this sort of, this sort of you know, cash, you know, give, give money to the media for favorable headlines. That, that needs to stop. Uh, but I will say... I, I think that Pierre Polyev can do better uh, with, with, with reaching out to media, specifically independent media. You know, look, if you're not going to engage with the CBC, Global News, Globe and Mail, I understand that. Clearly, when, when he tried to, David Aiken heckled him uh, and acted like a child. So if you're not going to do that, I do think the opposition leader should be speaking to Canadians as much as possible and doing that through the media as much as possible. It doesn't have to be exclusively through the media. He has a larger social media platform than a lot of these other journalists. But I would like to see him engage with like with independent media more often. I think that would be a, a that would be a real shakeup to the media in Ottawa. That would really signal to the legacy media that things are changing, and a government under Pierre Polyev is not just going to continue this this sort of love affair with the legacy media. That would I think that that would be a good thing. But again, like I said, this is a, this is a this is a nothing story. The media will always try and take it because it's an opportunity to bash conservatives. Yeah, I will say just in, in closing on this, I, I think that he probably should put himself in front of media more. And I, I think the David Aiken situation is great. I think he won that week because I think he really exposed the media and their approach to him. And I think he held his own. And, and the point that I've made on my show and, and to people that are working in the orbit of Pierre Polyev of the past is that if you trust your candidate to be able to answer and handle it, I'd put him out there and then get the clip from it. Show Canadians what's happening. Because when you don't engage that 
becomes the story. Whereas when you engage, they show their hand and you slap back. I think that becomes a much better story, but I'm sure we'll have lots of opportunities for that in the months and years to come. Harrison Faulkner, you can catch him at uh, the show Ratioed every week. You can catch me at the Andrew Lawton show and both of us, you can catch sifting through the day-to-day testimony for the next uh, five, six weeks from the Public Order Emergency Commission. This is True North. If you're watching on YouTube, please, please, please do subscribe. We have a goal this month of getting to 100,000 subscribers and also raising $100,000. So you can support both of those uh, campaigns by subscribing on YouTube and heading to donate.tnc.news. And you can do that whether you're watching on Facebook too. So uh, thanks very much. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.